The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Uh, good evening, my friends. Interested in money? This is the show, Sci-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager. Jack Hartle, my partner, portfolio manager, as well, delighted to have Mr. Miles Zyblock uh, on the show this evening. Uh, Miles is a massive, massive brain on Bay Street. Uh, I worked with Miles back in the day when I, when we both worked one of those big six banks. That's where I had the privilege of uh, listening to him speak and present. Um, Miles, thank you very kindly for spending some time with us this Saturday night. I hope you're well. I hope you're safe, and I hope 2021 is off to an epic start for you, my friend. Hey, you know, it's uh, it's great to be here. It's great to be on the show with you guys. And, uh, you know, so far, so good for the beginning of the year. Absolutely. Thanks for asking. So uh, I'm just looking at your uh, slide deck that you sent to Jack and I, and, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're pointing it towards uh, some epic economic and financial market stress, uh, unprecedented policy stimulus, uh, vicious price reversals, unusually unusual trading activity, uh, market concentration with stocks, uh, and elevated asset class valuations and yield scarcity. Uh, enough list for you. <laughs> well, yeah, no, isn't that that's a lot to digest? That tells me that we're certainly in for another interesting year in investing. Uh, so, Miles, please um, run with it. Where do you want to start, and, and what do we need to know? Yeah, I mean, you know, to start off, just sort of, it was an incredibly surprising year for so many reasons. Twenty twenty was, I mean, obviously it started off with health crisis, and that bled into the economy, uh, which led to you know one of the biggest economic shocks uh, the world has ever seen, at least in the past hundred years. Um, and and of course that filtered through into into financial markets. So we had. Uh, at least by some of some of the gauges I look at, the the, the sharpest bear market uh, that that we've ever seen, uh, and and then that was followed by an incredible rebound off the bottom in late March, and you know stocks have been rising ever since. And I think you 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 know what are some of the reasons that are driving these equity prices higher around the world? And I think you know. It, Early on, I think it was, you know, all about government stimulus. So governments were throwing money at this problem, uh, you know, hand over fist. And, and, you know, there's been upwards of, in aggregate, there's been upwards of $30 trillion globally uh, pushed into the system by, by uh, monetary and fiscal policymakers. And, and, you know, to put $30 trillion, I mean, that's just a gigantic, to put that in, into some sort of scale, uh, that that's equivalent to about 33% the size of world GDP. Uh, so these emergency funds, you know, started coming at us in March. Uh, and that I think that was, you know, helped uh, put the floor in prices. Uh, it, it sort of stabilized our, our, our confidence levels. It sort of stabilized the system. Uh, and then, as you know, as we got on, I think people learned 
I, they're pretty, pretty ingenious. You know, P- people learned how to adjust to this new environment. They adopted technology. Supply chains were adjusted in businesses. And, and activities started to, to return a little bit again uh, after, you know, uh, I'd say in the second half of last year. And we're, and we're seeing more of that now. So even as, you know, the COVID numbers are, are nowhere near, you know, levels I'd like to see, we're learning how to work around this until this vaccination program gets gets going uh it's kind of slow out of the gate but it really starts to ramp up uh, and, and then i think you know that will help us go from what was initially a policy driven uh equity market rally to to one that's sort of handed off to earnings and i think earnings will be your next sort of story where corporate earnings start to improve uh in throughout you know most of the remainder of this year and and that will be like i said the floor or the or, or the layer of of what i call sustainable support under the stock market now uh, you'd mentioned, you know, a laundry list of things that I've been talking about, and, and you know, and no outlook is is really without its risks, and you know, we can get into that a, a, as this goes on. But like I said, I think now we're moving into earnings optimism, and that earnings optimism is now the next leg of this this move in in stock prices. Um, Miles, again, you're you're covering a lot for a lot of ground here, and again. Thirty trillion dollars of stimulus is that that number behooves me. And yeah, I was quickly thinking about the Warren Buffett formula about equity valuations, and he used to just look at the market cap of the global stock market relative to GDP. And at the last look on that number, it was one hundred and fifty percent. I assume it's a lot higher right now. What is the global equity market capitalization right now, Miles? Are you aware? No, I, I don't. I don't know it offhand, but I mean, it's t- we're talking in the trillions, and and yeah, yeah, it's close to a hundred trillion. It is. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's it's close to it's the huge. so it's about a third of this. It's a monstrous, monstrous. Right. And again, the, the the my the issue that keeps Jack and I awake at night, and we don't sleep together, that's for sure. But uh, it does keep <laughs> us awake. It does. So we just text each other in the middle of the night. Can't sleep, Jack. What's going on? Well, I'm worried about all this debt in the system. You know, at some point, it's got to get paid back. And again. Jack being the economist uh, within the house of the wolf on Bay Street, you know, always says you, we can certainly grow our way out of some of this debt. But uh, I want you to speak to that. How, how much of it can we grow out of and how much of it do we have to pay back with real dollars and when? Well, this is where the world gets really uh, interesting and, and it's taken a, a, a sort of a weird turn in, in, in a sense that there's there's. You know, policymakers, at least fiscal policymakers, governments around the world uh, are, are starting to rethink uh, the way that, that, that government finances work. So, so what, what do I mean by that? Not too long ago, we, you know, we were talking, there was a book by a couple of academics written about, you know, government, high government debt to GDP ratios lead to uh, sluggish future growth. Uh, it's basically a drain on on the economy to to get that debt level down. Uh, Now we've got these modern monetary theorists, a new line of academics who really say that, you know, uh, budget deficits uh, and debt to GDP don't really matter. And and, and they're starting to behave like this is the new mantra. This is sort of the new theory that's being adopted in practice by more and more governments around the world that, that, you know, uh, well, here, let, let me just back up, give you the Canadian example. So, Right now, um, they're allowing, effectively allowing the Bank of Canada to finance half their debt. So if you look at the outstanding number of Government of Canada bonds, you know, in the marketplace, uh, the Bank of Canada owns 
45% of those outstanding bonds now. So basically what's happening is that the central banks are, are, are in effect monetizing the debt. Uh, and we're seeing that in Japan. We're seeing that in Europe. And, and effectively, for every dollar the Canadian government owes, 45 cents of that $1 is owed to the Bank of Canada, which is mind-blowing. Um, well, so, so, let me let me interject if you don't mind, and Jack, you may yeah, want to yeah. jump in on this as well. Sure. Um, but again, we're talking, therefore, simply the printing of money. Yeah. And if, if if that's correct, then that is leading to this other mania, aka crypto, and I wouldn't even say gold. Good God, gold sleepy compared to the uh, other alternatives for store of value. But uh, is, is that really what's driving the cryptos, in your opinion? Is just this excessive printing and the lack of trust with the central authorities because they're basically diluting their own uh, purchasing power? Well, I, I think, you know, that's part of the story. I, I think the, the, the suppression of interest rates or these, these what I call price-insensitive buyers, the central banks, going into the bond markets and buying <laughs> bonds hand over fist every day. Like, you know, we're talking $100 billion a month, $200 billion a month, and just buying these bonds out of the marketplace and extracting them from the secondary markets. I think that's suppressing interest rates around the world. Uh, that's why we have uh, – largely we have – I'm not saying it's the only reason, but I think it's a, a large part of the story behind why interest rates or bond yields, let's call it, uh, are very low around the world. And so what that's doing is that's pushing investors into yield-seeking behavior or, or risk-taking behavior. Uh, yep. and, and, you know, you can see that in some of the, the, the action that's going on in the stock market where some of these what I call very speculative types of stocks are running up really hard. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to name names. It's kind of not my thing. But, but we, we know these stocks that are going up, you know, 5% a day these days. I mean, a lot of the IPOs, one, I think one uh, came out recently, was up 100% uh, out of the gate. So we're starting to see this, this excessive money and this, this cheapening of the cost of capital is starting to have spillover effects into behaviors. And, and one could be crypto, no question. Uh, and, and like I said, you can see it in other places, too. I mean, oh, anytime you, you, look at, you look at the German bond market and you can't find a positive yield out to 30 years, you know something weird is going on. Well, yeah, you're talking $20 trillion of negative yielding paper, last count by, by I. It, it, again, mm -hmm. it, it, it behooves me. But, you, you know, Miles, you are an academic. On a grade school bored me. I, I hated grade school. I have to be honest with you. But I'll tell you, one of the key lessons I did learn in grade school, musical chairs. Uh, they, I, you know, there's such a lesson in musical chairs when you really think about it, because at some point the music stops. Correct. And how much longer can the central, and, and in your opinion, like this is important, how much longer will the central banks continue to buy back, quote unquote, the system's own paper and hence continue to be printing as excessively as they are? So I'm not I'm not sure on on the length of time, but I I think I know what they watch uh, to start putting you know putting a lid on this this sort of activity that they're doing this 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 endless buying of government bonds uh, and the zero interest rate. They're looking at the inflation numbers, uh, and, and you know right now we don't really have an inflation problem, at least the inflation that they worry about, which is what's called the core CPI. Most of these big central banks and the core CPI in most of the developed world is running at you know anywhere from one to one and a half percent. And, and, you know, I think when it gets, if and when it gets above two, two and a half, 
pushing pushing beyond those limits. That's when I think you could think you you can start thinking that this music uh, that, that you're hearing right now uh, that seems never ending. That's when I think you know you, you got to be more concerned that the music will stop. Now, is that this year? I, I don't think so. I think it could be you know 2022 is when is when this. You know, uh, we could get a rude awakening where the zero percent interest rates from the central banks and the endless buying uh, is maybe they start reversing course, at least at the margin. So I think we're a little early for that. But you're right. Um, uh, You have to pay attention. And I think inflation will be key. Well, again, with musical chairs, uh, again, the game begins with, what, 10 or 15 chairs, one chair per person. And you, you, you lose one chair at a time and then they start the music up. So are we down to two chairs or we still have eight or 10 on the floor uh, and again, the bond market, Jack pays good close attention to that. We're going to, we're going to speak to Jack coming out of the break here. Uh, we're speaking to Miles Zyblock, Chief Investment Strategist with Dynamic Funds, a massive brain on Bay Street. It's a privilege uh, to be speaking with him this evening. And uh, friends at home, please enjoy the show. It's about money. We're here to help you have more of it. It's Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto, and the show is Hi-Fi Radio. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yes, indeed. It is Saturday night, my good friends. Now, I want to get 30 seconds of that clip in that way Neil gets paid. I want to make sure Neil Young gets paid after all. I don't want Neil Young to sue me. Hey, did you catch the story on Neil Young selling, I believe, half of his catalog, uh, future rights, future royalties on whatever he sells, uh, for $120 million? Man, Neil is rich. Good for him. Five decades of performance. And uh, yeah, Neil is a character, I must say. Uh, Miles, you're a music guy. You, you must have grown up listening to a bit of Neil Young, I take it, eh? Absolutely. I mean, as a Canadian and as a music lover, how could you not? Yeah, no, indeed. Uh, we're, we're, we're privileged to have Miles Zyblock uh, on the show. Uh, of course, it is a show about money. Little Fidelity, we like to weave in every now and then just to put a smile on your face on Saturday nights, my friends. But uh, Miles Zyblock is a strategist. Um, with dynamic funds, uh, brilliant thought. And I'll tell you, the reason I love doing this show, many reasons, I like to speak to you at home each and every Saturday night, but I learn so much. I'm actually doing my job as I do this show, killing two birds with one stone. It's being efficient, and it is about being efficient in this world. But, uh, you know, Miles, really what you taught me was the degree to which the central banks are buying their own debt. And hence, one of the reasons, the key reason you believe that interest rates are basically at zero central banks buying almost half of the government debt that's a new phenomenon i appreciate you sharing that with us and listen to home you want to sort of keep that in the back of your mind and as miles did indicate it in the previous uh hit that uh, the, the determining factor to get interest rates to finally move higher is to keep an eye on core inflation uh once it gets above two and a half percent but truth be told friends at home that's not your job that's the job of Wolf, or excuse me, Jackie and I, uh, Wolf on Bay Street, of course. And uh, any questions, by the way, about uh, money, you can contact us, WolfgangKlein.com. 
Jack and I are always privileged to be able to answer any of your questions. Um, Jack, uh, what do you think about what Miles is uh, going on about here? Pretty powerful stuff, eh? It's amazing the amount of money printing that's going on, and it can go on longer than people think. You just look at what's happened in, in Japan over the last 10, 20 years, and it's been going on in Europe, you know, at least for 20 or for 10, anyways. But um, yeah, central banks are printing money and they are not price sensitive in terms of uh, uh, the bonds that they're buying. So they're really pushing those yields, yields down. But um, looking through Miles' deck here, um, you know, the experience that we had in 2020 with the volatility, March of 2020, uh, Miles, if you could just take us back to that, because uh, in your slide deck, you talk about how we basically had three of the most volatile days in the last 100 years. And then also, if you could maybe speak to some of the risks, macro risks that you see out there uh, beyond the amount of government debt and purchases. Yeah, so uh, you're right. So, it, you know, it, the, the if you look at the top, I'm recalling from memory now, but if you look at the top uh, or the worst single uh, day returns in the stock market since the 1920s, uh, and you rank order those from really bad to less bad all the way you know to today or whatever but uh, the worst of the worst twenty five days ever recorded, I think three of those days uh, happened in the last sell off in march and in fact not not just that uh, all three of those days happened within a seven day span so y- you could probably say that that was collectively. Uh, the worst week, it was, I, I can't remember exactly in, when in March, but it was probably the worst week uh, that, that stock market investors have ever, ever experienced. And, and you know, what's, what's, what's amazing is that despite the fact that you had the worst week in, in history uh, and, and one of the most vicious bear markets from, from you know, mid-February to late March, uh, the, the market ended up, uh, I think, total return terms, 18.5%. So that, that's what's stunning about all of it. Uh, is the fact that you know you had uh, the most volatile period, like I say, in 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 equity market history, and uh, we can all uh, say that we lived through that. So uh, so it's a big deal. Now, you know, that, I would say risk- that volatility. Sorry, Miles, that volatility yeah. came off of a market that was actually making all time highs as well. Yeah, so I mean, it, it did. From- I mean, it, you know, it, it started. If you look, you look at the data. It, it started. Uh, the rollover started in, or the the ultimate high of the last cycle was some t- sometime around. I think it's February nineteenth, and uh, and that was an all time high. And then you know a few weeks later, uh, we, we lose thirty five percent of the value of the stock market, and it's just it's it's incredible um, that it happened with that that much speed and that much vero- uh, you know uh, ferociousness. Uh, but again, uh, it, it sort of does make sense in the context of the economics where. Uh, you know, you saw GDP around the world literally collapse. There was like an economic sudden stop uh, that happened when everything got locked down, that first wave. Uh, so so it does make a little bit of sense, but it's just, you know, my 25-plus years in this business, I've, I've never experienced anything like that. Certainly not a week that we want to experience again, but there are obviously risks in the market. Uh, Miles. Yeah. So what, what keeps you up at night? So I think I think the you know the the one risk uh, that that really maybe is being a little bit overlooked, uh, and, and it's you know I'll use the U.S. as the case study, but you can see it in many many markets is the fact that we have what's called concentration risk in these in these in these broad averages now, and, and so for example in the S and P 500 the top five stocks make up. Those five stocks alone uh, make up 20% of the market cap of the S&P 500, which is just, just that's an enormous number. And again, um, we're, those, sorry, Miles, let's just take that to the second derivative. Those companies are, what is it, Amazon, Tesla, Facebook, Facebook uh, Netflix, Apple, Google, yep. 
Yeah. Wow. Twenty yeah. percent. Yeah. Five companies. Yeah, and and so and and you know you think that you know what's what's the most you know what's what's a comparison and and the late you know, 1990s and 2000 when we had Uh-oh. sort of a, a tech mania. He's going to bring uh, it home, said, guys. He's going to bring it home. Go ahead, Mel. I mean, we saw something similar in terms of we did. Uh, of, of concentration. Ding, and, ding, ding, ding. Yep. Called yeah, Nortel, I mean, right? That's, it's called that's Nortel. an issue, right? That, that, that's yeah. an issue for oh. me because, look, these are great companies. I'm not going to say they're not great companies, these large caps. They have great business models. But what, what I'm concerned about is not only are they, you know, they're very large proportion and they have a big influence on the averages. The fact is that, you know, they're trading as a basket at about 36 times their earnings. So price to earnings about 36 times, which is which is pretty steep. Let me just say it's it, these aren't cheap stocks. And, and what it's going to, you know, what that brings in, I'm, it's not a forecast, but the risk is what happens if something enters, something unexpected enters the market that changes the outlook for these stocks. And these stocks alone, I'm not even saying the economy, I'm saying something like, say, anti, you know, antitrust legislation. Now, yep. all of a sudden that happens, these stocks get hit, but the whole index falls. So the, the point is, is because there's such a large weight in the index, it'll it'll impact the whole index. There are ways around that, of course, like I learned in you know back in 2000, uh, where you know there's the, the the bottom sort of 250 stocks are not trading nearly as expensively, so you can cushion some of that valuation risk by looking elsewhere in the market. But I think it's one of the underappreciated factors, and you know you even look in Canada. Uh, the top five stocks in Canada, we said 20% weighting in the U.S. Those same top, you know, the, the biggest five in Canada take up 25% of market cap. So even more concentration risk in the TSX. So this is one thing that I think investors may be overlooking uh, as an important risk, that your, your what's so-called your broad equity basket, say if you buy the S&P 500, uh, is really influenced not by 500 stocks, but it's influenced by a, a very few stocks. So, and so here's one for you guys. Remember, we always, as a benchmark uh, for what's excessively priced in Canada, it's, it's a funny one, but it's better than the Super Bowl theory. And that is, who, who is more expensive than the Royal Bank of Canada? Because once you become more valuable than Royal, you tend to fall. And I'm looking, Royal right now is worth $154 billion. Shopify is, I think, $168. Uh, who would, Jamal, do you know offhand who the most expensive company is in Canada? Is it well, Shopify? I think the largest company might be Shopify. It might be. I, I think yeah. that is now the largest company in Canada. Canada. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. And again, you're, you're point, speaking about, sorry, sorry, Jack, you're speaking uh, about companies that are trading at 35 times earnings. Uh, good golly. All of those COVID stay at home stocks are trading at 15 to 30 times revenue. Zoom, uh, CrowdStrike, DocuSign. But no, I want to take this back to you, Jack, with the statement. Miles, uh, I assume you read Howard Mark's work as it comes out. And the most the most recent piece, um, I, I really thought about Jack because Jack, I, te- I think has a bit of a value bias. I have a tend I tend to have a bit of a momentum bias and growth bias, and that's why him and I work so well together. We temper each other's uh, highs and lows and, and and bring it into a nice balanced uh, outcome. Um, but Howard Marks is speaking about perhaps changing the way we view investing in securities. And Jack, you, you read his note at length. Uh, you found it quite fascinating as well. So pivot with that over to Miles. No, I certainly... Go ahead, Miles. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say, just on that point, I mean, one of the things that, that always worries me is when people start to change their valuation metrics to justify mm-hmm. their purchases. And, Agreed. you know, we saw that. I, I got to tell you, like, I, I remember that, you know, back in 2000 or 1999, you know, price to book became irrelevant. And then we went to price to earnings. And when price to earnings made the stock market look expensive, we moved to price to forward earnings because, you know, now you incorporate the forecast. And then it was peg ratios, which are price to earnings <laughs> growth. And then it went to, you know, it, it, when it got really uh, insane. It was something about the number of clicks on a website, and the more clicks, the more valuable the company should be. So, um, uh, you know, th- these are the things, these are, you know, th- th- when you think about market cycles, you know, you, you, you move from, from despair to hope to growth to optimism. So we're sort of transitioning towards, in some areas, it's, you know, not all, but in some areas, you ask energy investors, there's not a lot of optimism there. But, you know, we're transitioning in some areas where you're seeing the beginnings of that sort of optimism start to percolate through into some of these areas of the market. And that's when, you know, I get a little more concerned. And, and like I said, when you talk about the risks, although I'm positive about the economy, positive about earnings, uh, positive about stocks, I think you have to become, as this uh, rally matures, you have to become more selective in what you're buying because there is embedded risks in some of these stocks with such high valuations. Um, but so, Miles, in the interest of time here, uh, again, we've been speaking about the risks to the market, what keeps you worried up at night. Uh, and all the bad things out there. And there are certainly, I like to be vigilant. It's so important to remain vigilant at all times, but you don't make money as a pessimist. You have to be, I believe, a realist with a slight tint of optimism to get you through the tough times. So how do you see the year unfolding? And is there any optimism for 2021? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, there's there's a great reasons to be optimistic. The vaccine uh, programs that are coming out, I think, are going to help unlock uh, over a year's worth of pent up demand. I mean, you can see it in savings rates around the world; they've exploded. People haven't been, you know, uh, behaving let's call it anywhere close to normal. And once once that happens, I think you're going to see a lot of activity unlocked. And, and so, like I said, I think the earnings numbers around the world are, are going to be very good this year, and that's going to help support equity markets uh, through 2021. Um, where we may have more problems is, you know, down when the music stops, which is could be 2022 at some point, or it, some people even think 2023. I'm not sure. But I think you have to say that economies are growing or earnings are growing. When earnings are growing, you typically uh, make money in the stock market. So um, that's kind of where I am uh, at this stage, keeping in mind some of those caveats about concentration risk and pockets of excess that we're starting to notice now. Miles Zyblock, Chief Investment Strategist with Dynamic Funds, 25 years of experience on Bay Street, but you you sound like you have 100 years of experience, my good friend. Uh, You know your stuff. It's a real pleasure uh, to have spent some time with you this Saturday night, my good friends. I I wish you uh, a safe one, Miles. Thank you you very much, you guys. It, it was, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's always fun talking to you guys, and and you know, anytime you uh, have some some spare time and are looking to fill a slot, I'm happy to uh, to come back on the program. It's it's been fun. Excellent. We'll get you back on next week, pal. <laughs> All right. You have a good one. Uh, right. uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk cryptocurrency next with Mr. Skirka. It's gonna be great. It's a uh, fantastic, innovative uh, Canadian story. Uh, trading in crypto. Oh, it's an unbelievable year. It shall be indeed. Stay tuned. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There we go. Do you hear it? Kryptonite. Uh, we're talking cryptocurrency, my good friends. Will you be my friend at the end? It says in the song. That was good. Didn't even expect that to pop in there. Uh, indeed, it's a show about money. It's Hi-Fi Radio. It's Saturday night. We're going to have some fun, and we're going to help Lee educate you on money and help you have more of it each and every year. And if you follow the process, uh, you will. Um, but you must begin, and you must stick with the process. About 25 years, if you want to become rich, 25 years, my good friends. And uh, getting rich quick, don't try it. Just don't. It, it won't happen. And if it does, well, 649 works too. Um, that said, mad money, speculative money for some, you know, alternative money, perhaps some cryptocurrency, you know, uh, not for me. Uh, you know, it's amazing. I was brought, it was brought to my attention cryptocurrency back in my cp24 broadcasting days one of the producers said wolf have you heard about crypto you're a smart guy and i said not really a little bit uh, it sounds like there's something you transact if you want to buy a hitman at the time crypto was six hundred dollars i think that was about what eight nine years ago uh, who know who, who knows best mr dean skirka uh founder one of the founders of BitBuy, right here in toronto it's a crypto trading platform jack and i cannot trade in crypto uh as such alternative trading platforms have emerged um dean first of all happy new year welcome to 2021 i know you are excited about 2021 and i really want to congratulate you everyone around you your your dad and your grandfather as well my good friends are just looking down at you saying wow Look at the next generation go. Unbelievable. You know, it, 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 it's, it's Generation X 2.0. Generation X used to slop around the house and get rich being the next internet stock. Well, <laughs> that's you, my good friend, 20 years later. But you're now trading Bitcoin on Bay Street uh, with, with an exchange that uh, you created out of thin air. Again, I tip my hat to you. I salute you. Uh, talk to us. What's going on? Uh, how are you feeling? How is the landscape of crypto shaping up for 2021, Dean? Happy New Year, guys. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, 2021 is shaping up to be a pretty big year for cryptocurrency. Uh, you know, a lot of big advancements uh, in Q3, Q4 of last year, where you see uh, traditional investors and large uh, corporate companies, you know, corporations in the U.S. and uh, internationally really starting to treat this asset seriously and and uh, really look to it as a digital store of value or as a strong alternative investment. Wow. Uh, 39,000 uh, uh, Bitcoin, uh, you know, as we record this show, uh, I scratch my head. I really, really scratch my head. And, and you know, when you get such moves, you get these outrageous calls. And again, time will tell, but I'm, I'm hearing uh, of people calling for 100,000 
dollars for a unit of uh, Bitcoin. Um, absolutely remarkable. And I, I don't ask you to or expect you, Dean, to uh, forecast the price. I want, I want to get granular. Um, if uh, an individual decides to uh, take a portion of their net worth and put it into alternative assets, and they're now looking at cryptocurrency, uh, how do they go about physically go about doing it how do you buy crypto how do you open up an account uh what are the risks what are you going to be careful for because uh, i heard of you know a few years ago people losing their key and it's losing their, <laughs> losing their crypto so speak to right. us about that your your, your yeah. toronto company which is great yep, absolutely so the easiest uh you know thing to do is of course you know any process start by doing your research and, and understanding the different platforms that exist and sort of the the regulatory requirements that they're that uphold uh, themselves to, and then just sort of internally uh, best practices. And, you know, they're, they're some of the stuff you're referring to would be, you know, reminiscent of, of, you know, individuals using platforms that don't hold themselves to those standards or those uh, regulatory requirements. So certainly bitbuy.ca is very focused on uh, security, transparency, and compliance. Um, if you come to our website and look at some of the uh, material we provide, it will certainly be made pretty clear. Um, but it, it's pretty straightforward process these days. You know, you, you onboard as you would a you know, discount brokerage uh, that, you know, you'd buy stocks or bonds with. Um, once that process is complete and you are KYC verified, you have a few options to fund your account in Canadian dollars. And at that point, you're able to buy. You sorry, what, what are those options, Dean? I apologize. What are those options uh, to, to, yeah, to fund so, the account? Yeah, so today we accept Interact e-transfer, which is the most common methodology for guys, you know, between $100 to $10,000. And then for the larger uh, purchases or, or orders, you know, we see bank wires come in. So we accept Interact e-transfers and uh, bank wires to fund your account in Canadian dollars. And then at that point, it's really straightforward. Uh, you, can, you can buy as little as $10. You can buy, you know, as much more than that if you'd like. And so... You know, we give people the option to buy and sell these at their own discretion. Um, people can fund their account and dollar cost average over an extended period of time. People can fund their account and 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 buy as much as they'd like um, in one shot. So we see all types of activity. We cater to an audience that wants to buy as little as a hundred, and we cater to a crowd that can buy you know millions of dollars worth at a time through our OTC desk. And so our, our, our platform has been predominantly retail driven uh, you know, over the last three years. And we really cater and provide a safe place for those retail traders to come in and buy, get exposure to the crypto assets. I would say, um, you know, over the last six to nine months, we've seen a ton of interest from institutional investors and family offices, you know, on the back of some of the news that has come out over the last little while. Um, you know, MicroStrategy, a large uh, corporation in the U.S., has denominated their treasury into Bitcoin uh, through a purchase of about $500 million worth. You know, Square, which, you know, operates Cash App, purchased we own the stock. million million worth uh, for their treasury. And, you know, investors like Paul Tudor Jones, uh, insurance companies like Mass Mutual coming into the space are, you know, validating this at the institutional high net worth uh, level. And so certainly our position in Canada allows us to capture some of that uh, interest as it comes in. And so we've seen uh, uh, a strong increase in, in demand and, and activity from, you know, that caliber of clients. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we are set up uh, to really cater to retail as well. And, and so uh, I would say, 
that there is a ton of retail interest today and the institutional high net worth clientele is, is, is coming quite quickly as well. Well, that's where the real money lies. Uh, we're talking about cryptocurrency, a, a great Toronto-based company called BitBuy.ca is a trading platform for crypto. So if you're interested in purchasing some crypto, uh, do your homework, take a look at bitbuy.ca. Dean Skirka, of course, is head of compliance, I understand, ooh, uh, in a new industry that is in itself very, very fascinating, self-regulated, I assume, with some oversight beyond. But we're gonna go to a quick break, get back with Dean Skirka, one of the founders of uh, crypto trading platform BitBuy. Uh, it's Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Oh, that's what I'm trying to figure out. What is Bitcoin? telling us it, it remains i don't want to use the word opaque but for lack of a better word this saturday night we're going to use that word a little trickier to transact today in crypto assets um i will say torontonians and you know people here in canada um there is a company called bitbuy bitbuy.ca uh that is a uh trading platform for cryptocurrencies located right here in toronto and a, a young fellow who i've known for decades uh dean skirka is one of the founders of the company uh, so I'm, I'm so proud of dean for this company he has created and i wish you nothing but uh, a safe a successful journey and i heard a great quote this morning uh from liz in our office put uh, a ship is safe in the harbor but that is not what it was built for mm-hmm I like that. to, 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 that's quite profound. That's quite profound. Uh, you know, I'll take that over to, to uh, Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin was to be a store of value, but stores of value should not move 10, 15% in a day. But uh, let's get granular. So you're saying on your platform, Dean, I can personally, <laughs> and I'm going to be, be uh, jocular here, I can mark the top of Bitcoin by uh, opening up an account sending you 10 bucks and actually transact for $10. Uh, I have to ask you, what is the commission to buy and sell uh, crypto assets on your platform? And with Bitcoin trading at 39,000, how can I get a, a fractional portion of 10 of Bitcoin? Right, that's a good question. And so, you know, like I said, the minimum uh, transaction size that we, we allow on the platform is $10. And so it, assuming your account is funded, you know, you would come in and you would just simply put an order in for, you know, the dollar value that you look to, to purchase. So you can, buy fra- you can buy fractional, you can buy fractional units of Bitcoin. Correct. That's correct. And so that's, that's interesting. You know, I, did not, I did not know that, Dean. That's yeah. very fascinating. And sorry, yeah. Dean, what is the commission to trade? Right. Correct. So the, 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 the fees are as low as 10 and 20 basis points on the platform. And so um, you come in and once your account is funded, 
the the purchase and sale uh, is is twenty basis points, you know, at it, at its top. That's one fifth of a percent, friends at home. And um, Dean, again, if I may ask, bid ask spreads, friends at home. What that means is there's a buyer's price and there's a seller's price. And the spread is the difference in between. So if you look at any big blue chip stock, it, it may be bid for $60 and offered out at $60 in a penny. So there's a one penny spread. What is the spread on Bitcoin that trades at 39000 Yeah, so the spread is, is quite low. Roughly. It, 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 I guess, it, you, know, so, you know, despite what people may think, you know, it's a very liquid asset class. And, uh, you know, today on the platform looking right now for bitcoin uh, the spread is 40 basis points um on our platform and you know it can come down to as little as you know five basis points um so it's a very liquid asset with pretty meaningful liquidity and certainly um you know that's where we are today uh, in real time and um i would say you know that the spread and the liquidity for this asset is growing uh sort of the liquidity is certainly growing or increasing in size every day and, uh, you know, that, that'll just continue to bring spreads down. Aside from the volatility, and obviously it's been basically one directional going higher in the last couple months anyways. But aside from the volatility, just talking about the safety of the asset, like in our business, the brokerage business in Canada, um, clients that have accounts with us, their assets aren't actually held at Canaccord. They're held at CDS, which is Canada Deposit for Security. So it's a very safe system and clients can feel very comfortable, you know, having assets at a brokerage firm. Where are the assets actually held, um, you know, with your exchange and uh, who, who actually has custody of them? Yeah, it's a great question. So we've uh, been long partnered with some of the leading custodians in the, in the, in the crypto industry. And so we use uh, two, one of which is a uh, public trust company in the U.S. that's been in the industry for, you know, many years and has about $16 billion, uh, under custody. We use another partner out of, the, uh, out of Montreal, sorry. Uh, for Bitcoin specifically, and the benefit of using this addition, this this other party is that we're able to offer our clients one-to-one insurance on their Bitcoin holdings on the platform, which means uh, you know in the unforeseen event of any type of funny business uh, on the platform, these assets are backed up one-to-one, and customers can can you know sleep easy at night knowing that when the Bitcoin is on our platform, it is backed up to the full the full value. Um, so it's an important question and custody is an important topic within crypto. You hear, you know, there's a, a, a popular phrase, not your keys, not your coins. And, you know, that would refer to, uh, you know, the, the, the need to control your own destiny with these things and self custody them. We encourage our clients to self custody these assets, but in many cases, um, there's a gap in education and, and experience in doing so. And so what we um, have done is we've partnered with two of the leading custodians in, in, in the global industry in cryptocurrency to give our clients the peace of mind that um, not only are we using best practices and internal for internal control purposes, but also relying on the industry leaders for custody to protect their assets. Dean, I, we're running out of time, but I do have one quick final question for you, and I'm going to wrap up the show. My good friend Dean Skirka from BitBuy.ca, trading platform for cryptocurrency. How many Canadian trading platforms exist today? Yeah, there'd probably be about 10 trading platforms if I had to ballpark it uh, in Canada, servicing Canadian clients. Um, some of them are 
you know, more typical of what a brokerage looks like. Uh, some of them directly uh, look and feel as like what BitBuy offers. Um, certainly, we focused on transparency, and whether that's with um, proof of reserve audits, whether that's with you know transparent fee model that's available on our site, um, or you know some of the other initiatives we've taken with some of the custodians, etc. Um, you know, we feel like we're you know better positioned than most to offer that. You know, safety, security, safe place for these uh, new entrants to uh, you know, gain exposure to crypto assets. Uh, Dean, uh, congratulations! I, I, you're you're really onto something, current. It's amazing how the younger generation always gets on the new themes, uh, and they do it so well. Do pure success to you. Uh, be safe, be healthy, be well. Best to your family, of course. I'll be speaking to your dad soon. Good friend of mine. Of course, he, uh, Dean's father uh, owns Classica. as a place where I outfit myself. Well, yeah. And, of course, don't forget, you so support your local retailers, my good friend, when they open up the economy again. Local retailers need help. Uh, Dean's business is booming, trading crypto. If you're interested in trading crypto, uh, as Dean indicated, there's over 10 exchanges in Canada. Uh, bitbuy.ca certainly is one of them. Uh, give it give it a peek. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, WolfgangKlein.com is the website. Any questions, you can reach out to Jack Hartle or I. We are here for you. We want you to have more wealth. You be healthy. Be safe, my good friends. Follow the rules. We'll get through this pandemic and hopefully with more money in our pocket. For all the process you listen to us, I think that's going to be a highly probable outcome. It's all about probabilities. I wish you a wonderful weekend, my good friends. Thank you for tuning in to iFi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.